Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome back to Caravan of Garbage, the show where we look at many, many things. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad sometimes you think it's going to be real bad and then you watch it and you're like this is all right i wouldn't mind it i'll watch another episode of this and that's what we're looking at today ah it's a real shame mission impossible 1988 tv revival series you would think Mm. that's a recipe for disaster i thought it was going to be some a-team bullshit yeah like just kind of naff and nobody gets hurt nothing happens and it's just (laughs) and everybody's an idiot yeah but but they save the day nevertheless this is a tight show man i mean it's it's wasn't bad. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the eighties, so there's a lot of there's a lot of big shoulders and mm. there's a lot of big hair. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. lot of that. Yeah, it should also be noted that this is a continuation of the 1960s series. It is. So it it's went um, on hiatus for fifteen or so years. Yeah. So it's Peter Graves yes. as Jim Phelps. Yes. Uh, he's coming out of retirement. He has for, to for one more mission. That's right. Did somebody kill his wife or something? I'll tell you, Mason. Okay. Okay. First of all, here's the pros of this episode. It's somehow good. Yep. Cons. There's no masks. There's no Mission Impossible masks. masks yep. And no one goes rogue. Which are the only <laughs> things I want to see in a Mission Impossible series and or film. Now, you want to see the main protagonist get critically injured, don't you? <laughs> like right. the actor portraying the, the main character. I do uh, also want to see sure, that. And sure, maybe Peter Graves was brutally injured in this, but we never see it. So It's entirely possible. What's the point? Also, this is not, a, this is not an action-packed no. series, particularly. This is very much, if you remember the kind of the ponderous action-free parts of Mission Impossible 1. Yes. That's this show. All the way through, presumably. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Every episode, just people walking down hallways. So it kicks off, right? Uh, There's an assassin. He goes into a party. I think it's the guy from the pilot of Star Trek The Next Generation. You think it is. Is it? That is John DeLancey. Okay, good. He is, of course, Q... The all-powerful Q in Star Trek The Next Generation from the pilot encounter at Farpoint and many other episodes. <laughs> okay, right. I just wanted to see. He's a bloody delight and a, and a recurring character. You know they say the Enterprise is, is an additional character yeah. in that show. So is Q. Oh, wow. Yeah. Would you say he's more important than, than the ship? I mean, technically, because he can do anything. Is there a movie where that guy crashes into a planet and the crew just watch on solemnly and go, he was as important as the ship? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but in this, he's an assassin. <laughs> yeah, so he goes to this party, and his idea is he's going to kill the head of IMF, or one of the top dudes, yeah. the new Jim Phelps, Ooh. who tra- trained under Jim Phelps. And he does it by shooting a diamond from a pen into his neck, and then this guy thinks he's on fire, and then he <laughs> leaps out of a window, in true Mission Impossible style, 
with a stunt of, of sorts. And I thought, oh, he must be leaping out to a pool or something because he's on fire. But no, he's just, just to his leaping death. to his death. What if he didn't leap out the window? What if he just thought he was on fire? Nothing yeah. would happen. He wouldn't die. That's true, yeah. If somebody, like the poison would wear off. If literally anybody had restrained him, held him down, if he'd said, hey, I'm on fire, and they just humoured him and dumped a bucket of water on him, <laughs> he probably would be alive to this day. That's I mean, a, maybe not, because it's 1988. Maybe well, that, he'd be dead anyway. That's exactly he, it. He's looking, he was getting on in years, it seemed. He certainly was. Yeah. So anyway, Jim Phelps gets delivered a little briefcase. He's been mm. retired for a long time, at time it seems. He's out of the game. Yeah. I'm sure he's done some car commercials in the early 80s. Maybe we can show some clips of that. But they've kind of updated the, this is your mission kind of yeah. thing. It used to be like a record player, I believe, in the original series. It was cave did... paintings. It was cave paintings, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then what would happen is you'd read the information on the cave paintings and then they would release a raptor into the cave. And it would just, oh, they'd release a woolly mammoth and it would just tear the cave to pieces. See, I'd rather at the very end it said, this cave will be painted over in three, two, one. <gasps> then a guy just comes over, comes in with a hey, big brush. Get out of here. Right, so he gets a, he opens up his little briefcase. It's got a thumb scanner. Yeah. First of all, great tech in this series. Not bad, It yeah. doesn't feel too aged considering when it's from. And it feels mostly realistic. Yeah, it does. So he, he's got a little bloody mini disc player with a tiny little disc. See, that, see that's the part that annoyed me. Because it's, it's a self-destructing box, right? Mm. Why does he need to take the little disc out? <laughs> And put the little disc in. It's a good question. And then push the little play on the little disc. It's because it's a little disc. It's a little disc. And they disc wanted to show score. off that it's a little disc. They wanted to show a little disc. Mm. And this, is, this would have been well before the year of mini discs, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Were CDs prevalent in 1988? I think they had them, but they were very new technology. Yeah, they were the, the laser discs of their day. It w- yeah, you know, it would have been one of those things where if you wanted a CD player, it was $700. That's right, yeah. And they were like... Well, imagine if a CD player was even smaller. <laughs> can you? You can't even conceive of it, can you? That was in the year of CD players. This where... will hold six songs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Can you? Or a, or a mission briefing. If you stepped near it, the laser would kind of go out of alignment and it would never work again. <laughs> You'd have to get a technician in. He would charge you $700. Correct. <laughs> so we get a look at his new team. Now, yeah. there are recurring cast members from the original series, but there's oh, none of really? that in this episode. You know what What struck me most about these these particular characters they seem more like hobbyists than yeah than any kind of they weren't like this guy's an ex-green beret and now he does this it's like this guy's a rock climber or something this guy likes model trains maybe this guy's a drama teacher <laughs> but he also is in the imf for some reason really that, that is literally one his name's nicholas black he teaches drama and he's also a master of disguise and changing his voice i'm fairly confident i don't know when this is coming out but we we also played the mission impossible video game that's coming up next week there's a character in that and his two powers are, yes. everybody gets two powers, he can disguise himself as a bad guy, and he's got a boomerang. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's this guy. But we see no boomerangs whatsoever in this episode. Not in the pilot episode. No. You don't, you don't give everything away in the <laughs> first true, episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, But I guess he's in his subsequent episodes, he's probably renowned for his boomerang throwing. Also, he's Australian. Maybe that's it. Maybe it is. Yeah. Uh, Cassie Randall's the next one. She's a top designer. Also, she helped trap a terrorist group that killed her boyfriend. So she's also a designer slash in the IMF. Yep. And then there's Max Hart. His brother was in Vietnam and he never came home. So he just went and got him. All right. That's pretty good. That's impressive. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, sorry. There's also Grant Collier, who's Barney's son from the original series. And he's the greatest mind in MIT for the last 20 years. So a guy with actual (laughs) legitimate abilities. Yeah, right. And a a great cardigan. (laughs) That's right. He's got two great things. So this killer, we find out his name is Drake. Yeah. Like the duck. Not the rapper? 
No. Right. Like the duck, Mason. Okay, all right. Like a male duck. Like a male duck. The most terrifying. Normally, it's like the condor or the eagle yeah, or the shrike. Right. The jackal. That's like, yeah. he's a boy the duck. Spear. It's yeah. the boy duck. <laughs> the boy duck. So the boy duck, right? Yeah, I'm listening. The way that he murders his victims. And this is why no one's ever been able to catch him. Because he decides at the very last minute what he's going to do. <gasps> so he'll go into the room and just be like, well, I guess I'm just going to slam this guy's head into a billiard table yeah. and then leave. I mean, the last time he did use a, a very elaborate diamond shooting pen so I mean there must be some forethought <laughs> I guess so like yeah. when does he choose in fact the method he uses in in this particular episode you need a lot of planning yeah maybe he's just got all that stuff on him like all the time maybe he's just got a whole lot of diamonds and they're all slightly different coloured and they just they do a slightly different hallucination and Good. that's his idea of random <laughs> yeah right yeah. so in terms of the methods he's used before the ones they mention are poison and a sniper rifle that impossible to predict just shoot a guy with a <laughs> rifle. But hey, good on him. So anyway, they go to London because that's where his next target is going to be. It's going to be some random union guy. And you know what happens when you go to London? Accents. Yay! Boy, do they. And is there, Mason. Yes. So the idea is they want him to go to their hotel so that they're going to rig up so they can monitor him. But the thing about this guy is he always picks a hotel at complete random when he gets there. Oh, my so God. So he'll look at a letter and be like, uh, S, okay? And he'll go to S in the phone. I want to go to the that snake one. hotel. It's exactly. full of snakes. <laughs> so what happens is... This guy's putting up all kinds of roadblocks, isn't he? He really is. So they're ready waiting for him in the first cab. Yep. But he doesn't want to go to the first cab. He goes to the second cab. Guess what? They're also they're waiting, waiting for him in the second there. cab. Brilliant. So they get in what and he'd gone to the third cab though. What if he did go to the, the bloody third cab? That's what I'm talking about. So I can't remember the name of the hotel that he mentions, but they go, yeah, no worries. I can take you there. So they take him kind of the long way and they put a whole lot of stuff to kind of block him from, uh-huh. you know, from, from getting there immediately. And the reason they do that is because the rest of the team are at the hotel and they're changing all the signage. They're changing the street sign. They're etching pint glasses <laughs> with like laser glass cutters. Yeah. They're printing off they're menus printing off and coasters. Menus and promotional magazines. <laughs> they're writing a magazine. That's they're right. like, yeah. hey, they're welcome to the Ruben. What is it? The Ruben Hotel? The Rhubarb Something Hotel. Like it's the yeah. Rhubarb Hotel. Sure. They're doing all of this stuff, and I am genuinely impressed watching this. Yeah. Like, the effort that they're going to. There's a couple of things where I feel like you could probably have done that earlier. You don't need to do that in the 15 minutes that he's going to arrive. And that is put a video behind a mirror and put a microphone under his desk. You could do that at any point. That's You could sh- shave off precious minutes. That's exactly it. Yeah. But, I mean, they're, you know, they're not... They're not professional intelligence operatives. They're a designer yeah. and a drama teacher and etc. So Exactly. Yeah. You know. What I also like about this series is whenever they show surveillance footage or like footage from inside the mirror, it's not just footage they've already shot. Uh-huh. That they just put a grain over, you know. Uh, yeah, TV sure. shows okay, normally yeah, do that. It. It, it's specifically shot to be like, oh no, this is footage specifically from this camera. You say that, but when that we introduce the characters initially, when when Phelps looks at the the, the, the dossier, I, the dossier, all the agents, they're just like stock footage people. <laughs> the drama teacher's just approaching a group of students, and then it's a close up okay. shot of him, and he's like, hmm, <laughs> fair point. Ah, okay. my students. That's a fair point. Okay, you got me on. You One got of them's on flipping a sweater over their shoulder, like, hmm. <laughs> so when he gets to the hotel uh jim phelps is on the, is on the bloody the desk because he's uh-huh. good on him it seems like this hotel was set up specifically for, for this dogs. as well <laughs> yes it's it a hotel a for hotel. dogs but you know it's got like secret hidden rooms and that so i'm assuming this was like a british intelligence thing it was probably a murder using. hotel it's probably a murder hotel yeah. yeah good on him so when he uh he picked his own room at random they're like oh no because we had room seven prepared for him and what are we going to do so they switched the numbers on the door 
Very classy, very cool. Uh-huh. So they get him in the right room. You'd think he would notice. He seems like a man who's keen on the details. You'd think it'd, it'd be weird that he'd go, okay, here I am, room 10, 11, 7? No, they switched the corridor. Oh, what? Yeah, they're, they're way ahead of you, Mason. Wow, that is They've madness. got two cabs. They've got multiple signs. They've got pint glasses he never sees. <laughs> they are well ahead of him. Hey, mister, you want a pint? No. Ah, oh, <laughs> damn it. Could have saved a minute there. <laughs> So he needs to make a phone call to find out what his next mission is, but he's not going to use the phone in the hotel. He's not an idiot, Mason. So he goes outside to a phone box, and you'd think that the IMF team wouldn't be ready for him, but guess what? They fucking are. Yeah, that's right. they got some sort of laser microphone situation going on. So they know exactly where he's going, so they find out what his mission is, and his plan is to meet a blonde woman with a white rose in the park. So what they do, they ring back, they pretend to be him, and they decide to meet with the woman... And then they send the IMF agent to meet with him, pretending to be the person to give him the mission. It's actually very clever. It's very clever. The drama teacher plays Drake, doesn't he? Boy Duck, sorry. Yes, he does. Is that yeah. right? And yep. the, the fashion designer plays the lady with, with, the, with the white rose. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they, they swap the picture of the construction worker union guy with, uh, with one of them. So he thinks that his target is actually the IMF agent. It's it's an elaborate misdirect, Mason. Do you <laughs> yes, see what I'm saying? I it's do. very complicated. But he also figures out when he meets up with the woman that it's a different girl than the one on the phone. And you think the jig is up. But she's just like, yeah, so what if I am? Maybe we could meet up for a bloody date later. And he's like, I'd like that very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm smooth as silk. Okay, so the next step is they need to figure out how he's going to kill this union guy. So they've got their <laughs> IMF plant waiting in the room yep. to be murdered but he's like don't worry about it I won't be murdered mm. I mean he's not but it seems like it's a, I mean it's a very thin line isn't it <laughs> that's it so they're following Drake he slips the tail somehow yep. he's a boy duck he can do what he wants that's he's right he's got, that, he's got that oily coating <laughs> you know it. he can dive underwater <laughs> so he gets into the hotel they know he's going to strike in 15 minutes but they don't know how or where but he goes to the room underneath he cuts a hole in the roof he sticks uh, explosive putty under the IMF agent. They have no idea it's coming, Mason. And then he bails. Yeah. He's the, out of the there. The explosive putty is made up from golf balls. Yeah. Again, so, he, had to have, he had to have some explosive golf balls on him. And I guess he got them through customs. I mean, it's the 80s. It's the 80s. You can get anything through customs. <laughs> That's it. You know? You so, can just be like, hey, can I take this gun on a plane? I'm going to need this gun later. For what? Just later? Golf. Yeah, it's my golf gun. <laughs> So basically, though, they see him leave the hotel and they realize he must have set something up. And so they escape just in time. The room explodes. It's a bit of a stunt. Yeah. I would have used a bellhop if I were were them. Definitely. Yeah. But what I like about this is, though, they do set up stuff that never comes into play. Like, he doesn't go in the The same... The pint glasses. The pint glass. He never goes into the same room as the guy. It didn't matter what he looked like. That's true, yeah. So you're seeing things that don't end up ultimately paying off. Which is often weird with a heist movie where it's... Or like a... You know what? And I guess at some point it's it's... Simultaneously interesting and disappointing. Like you ever what you know where you watch a Bond movie and he uses exactly the gadgets yeah. that are required and you're like How When did he got he... that avalanche proof snow jacket. Yeah, right. And then he uses it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's got that he's got that gun that shoots a weird round that makes somebody inflate and become irresistible to crocodiles or whatever. You know? And <laughs> oh, then, I remember. Lo and behold. But yeah, you're right. So anyway, Boy Duck gets back to his hotel room and who'd be waiting for him, Mason? The IMF agent pretending to be the lady with the white rose. I'd imagine without the visuals, if you're listening to this, it's probably very confusing. But basically, <laughs> you know what a woman looks like. You know what a no, white no, but, rose looks like. But what woman? You know what I mean? She's the IMF agent, and she pretends to try and kill him 
The idea being that then he'll go back and kill his boss. Yes. Because then they'll find out who Scorpio is, mm-hmm. who's the mastermind of all of this. Did I mention that earlier? Never. I can't remember. But it, you know That's what? the ultimate plan, though. They need to find out who Scorpio but here's is. The, here's the thing. You didn't mention it, but, you know, 50-50, if you're watching some sort of espionage-type show or movie, odds are pretty good that the villain's called Scorpio. <laughs> Absolutely. So he, uh, he, he kills her, or he thinks he does, but it's an elaborate bloody misdirect. And he goes back to what I think is Los Angeles... To kill Scorpio. Yeah, right. And then we're going to see the big reveal of who Scorpio is. And it turns out it's just some guy from the party at the start. Yeah. Who I didn't really remember. It was the guy from earlier. Yeah, it was the weird thin-lipped man who I thought was Jim (laughs) Phelps initially. And I'm like, Ah. it's all right. And the Scorpion... Well, the Scorpio has become the Scorpion, Mason. That's absolutely right. He decides to use the same method to kill Scorpio as he did... Mm. Uh, the the agent at the start, the old the what? The agent at the start. Oh, I thought you said the yeah, okay, right? Did you think I said the agent at the start? Yes. I yes. don't think so he like, was Asian. Steady on, mates. <laughs> so I guess he must have bought two of those diamond poisoned hallucinogen guess, things. Yeah, he probably bought them at like probably bought them at Aldi. Yeah, you probably can't just buy one. It's probably yeah, it's in a pack of two. Yeah, 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 totally right. Exactly. That's and it's it. the shipping that gets you. It is. It really is. It's like 40 bucks. So he gives him the poison and the guy realizing that he's going to die grabs his gun. But Boy Duck has already taken the bullets out of the gun. He's, he's one ahead. step ahead. He's the ultimate assassin. But what he's not ahead of is that guy just throwing a knife at him. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, hitting sure. him in the stomach. Yeah. So we don't see it, but uh, Scorpio jumps out the window to his death also. Yeah. Good on him. But Drake, Boy Duck, mm-hmm. he lives... He's in that ambulance at the end and he sees all the IMF agents there who we saw in England. They're laughing like, and back pattern. Yeah, he's like, you fucking pricks. <laughs> you were one step ahead. And that's the end of this show. Why? Does he come back ever? I don't know. Should we have looked into it? Well, I was going to... I started to watch another episode because I really enjoyed this. Me too. I also started watching another episode. But then I realised, I think we both realised, that all of these are exactly the Every same. Every episode's exactly the same. It's always just tricking somebody into going in the wrong room. Yeah, and there's a murder up top, and then they get a mini disc player, and then they assemble the team, and then all, all the other things unfold. Hmm, who should I use on this particular <laughs> impossible mission? The same guys as last time? The only four people also in the credits? I guess so. <laughs> Hmm, I guess I could use some fashion designing and some drama teaching <laughs> in on this mission, yeah. Yeah, great stuff. All in all, though, I think just pick one episode and watch it. Yeah, and you'd be you don't have to watch surprised. all of them, but it's 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 pretty good. Yeah, Especially I mean, aside from all those all those problems we talked about. <laughs> yes, aside from all those this. problems, yeah. But overall, I give this better than Mission Impossible 2. Oh, absolutely. But not as good as Mission Impossible 4. That's a good, yeah, that's a good solid... So Mission Impossible 3, I guess. Yeah, it did. Oh. <laughs> it gets a Mission Impossible 3 it's from It's Mission me. Impossible 3 by way of Mission Impossible 1. Okay, fair point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, we do Caravan of Garbage here every week. We're playing a game next week related to Mission Impossible, and it quite possibly is one of the dumbest things we've ever played. It's so weird and bad. I don't <laughs> understand. It's, here's a little hint. It's set in Russia. Yep. I think maybe it was made in Russia as well. <laughs> it may have been made in it's Russia. It's got that vibe about it. Yeah. Unforgiving yeah. and nonsense. It's a real worker and parasite. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, but there's videos for Caravan of Garbage every Tuesday, but there's also other videos here every Sunday and Thursday. Plus, we have a podcast called The Weekly Planet where we talk movies and comics and TV shows. And you can also find all of that at The Great planetbroadcasting.com. It's collated, isn't it, Mason? If you, if you want to toot your own horn, absolutely, planetbroadcasting.com. I don't run that site, Mason, but I will happily toot the horn of those who do. <laughs> Goodbye!
Grab that jam, you guys. We'll see you next week. Fred Dust. I was going to say, I was going to try and think of a Limp Bizkit reference. That's good. Just say Fred Dust. Ah, Fred Dust, yeah. Wait, what's the other guy's name? I don't know. The guy with the face? Fred Dust's brother? No, Wes Borland. He had a side project called Big Dumb Face. Great. Yeah. Is it good? No. Shock. Yeah. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.